0: Welcome to the current state of WWE, everybody. I've got Anthony DeMarco with me on Take Two that no one knows except us, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're here to talk about SummerSlam. But you know, not not necessarily do a full review. That would take too much time. You guys have already heard the full review here. But I have not been able to talk to somebody about what's been going on. At least not verbally. Of course, social media. I've been interacting with you guys. But Anthony, welcome back to the show. And how did you like SummerSlam overall?
1: You know, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I felt like this is a pay-per-view that overachieved, and the main event is a prime example of that. You know, going in, I said it on my um, on my retro show on Friday that I thought that the card was very underwhelming. Like, I found it absolutely ridiculous that the likes of Gunther and Kevin Owens and AJ Styles weren't even on the, the pay-per-view. AJ Styles eventually ended up being on it, but uh, not in a match capacity, and I just really thought that this card was thrown together super half-assily. And look, obviously a lot of things were going on behind the scenes in WWE. But I have to say Triple H, as his first pay-per-view, has had a creative, knocked it out of the park. And even for a match like Brock and Roman for like the umpteenth time that I think nobody wanted to see, I think we could all say we walked away from that pay-per-view extremely, extremely happy.
0: We did. I have not heard anybody really crap on this pay-per-view, and it's it's deserving of applause. And you know what? It's... While we say Triple H should be given credit, and I think he should, we'll never know ever what truly the effect that Triple H had on this because we don't know what Vince's plans originally for this were. I mean, what if Vince had actually planned 95% of what we saw, yet we're giving Triple H credit for things that we assume he's done? Uh, I mean, we can make some assumptions of things that you look at and go, that's got to be Triple H, but we don't know for sure. As we get further out in time and we get away from the Vince McMahon ideology and his whole plan for whatever was going to go on the further away you get, the more Triple H's influence should show itself because Triple H can then start to run his own feuds the way he wants to. And, you know, so that, that's my point. It, it, but I do see tri- Triple H's fingerprints, particularly on the main event, and particularly with Bayley's return, bringing back two people that, you know, we never thought we'd see again in WWE. So, you know, that is, I think, something that you look at. And when you look at this pay-per-view, are you kind of thinking the same thing? And you look at the main event or Bayley or maybe something else that you're thinking, that's got to be Triple H?
1: Well, obviously, the Bailey thing and obviously the reports today that, you know, and this isn't pay-per-view related, but like Sasha Banks and Naomi apparently agreeing to come back to the company. There's just a lot of Triple H's fingerprints all over this. And, you know, like, let's talk about the main event, because like, uh, for me, it was a match that I had no interest in. But as soon as, you know, Vince stepped down, Triple H took over, my interest peaked, and like this isn't to say that I love the match because it did ultimately end with the oh so predictable ending that we saw a thousand miles away, but the match was fun. This was a good match, and you know especially coming off of their extremely underwhelming match at WrestleMania, where I would say that it was the worst match of the two nights, and I don't say that lightly. But you know an otherwise very good WrestleMania capped, culminating with that was a real disappointment. I thought what they did, you know, obviously the front end loader lifting the ring, you know, Paul Heyman getting F5 through the announce table, I just thought everything about this match just screamed like a breath of fresh air, that yes, we all knew knew that we were going to see Roman Reigns stand tall, likely in large part because of the Usos, but at least it was something different and something that, you know, I walked away saying that, look, if this match had to happen, this was the best possible way. And look, obviously, Triple H, you know, jumped on a moving train here. You know, he got put into power less than a week before uh, SummerSlam, arguably the third biggest pay-per-view of the year behind the Rumble and WrestleMania. But I think that given the hand he was dealt, he made the best of it. And I think that there are a lot of examples of him putting his fingerprints on this product
0: definitely yeah and if we're going to focus in on the main event here and of course there's other things i want to ask you you know in in the the short amount of time we have but with the main event i think think triple h absolutely had an impact on this match and i also think when you look at this that as, as many people thought too i hate to jump on the bandwagon and pile on with an unoriginal thought but it was might might be their best matchup that they've ever had arguably could be at least in the conversation for the best match that they've had over the last seven years since what Wrestlemania 31 when Seth Rollins cashed in I mean it's been forever so now uh, you look at this and some people are saying oh man you know I wish they had another I'm like you were just saying you know a week ago I'd never want to see this match again I mean that's how sometimes fans are so fickle but I don't ever want to see this match again I I know that it was their best and they saved maybe their best for last and that's great but I still don't want to see these two again and when I look at this match I think they busted their ass Brock killed himself out there good for him the the spot with Roman lifting up the ring of stuff that none of us have ever seen ever which is cool Uh, and having the Usos get involved we were waiting for that Paul Heyman getting F5 as you mentioned and and, uh, the title belt shots off the skull. You don't see that a whole lot either. I really enjoyed that. The one thing I'll say... And, and again, I think the right person won. We don't, never thought Brock was gonna win this and he didn't. But I will say that if this was TV 14, boy, blood could have been used really, really well here. I mean, with all the belt shots off the skull and things that were done, I will say that blood was something that I really missed and they could have definitely done if this was TV 14. But we got no, we got no announcement as I had thought they were gonna do. They did nothing. There was nothing, no, nothing spoken about TV 14. So maybe it's still happening behind the scenes. Uh, but my question to you is, as we move on in time, do you think we're going to see Brock again in the near future? Or do you think it's kind of the SummerSlam to WrestleMania type deal?
1: I mean, there there were rumors that he was going to be done after this. Obviously, he was not the most content when it was announced that Vince was stepping away. But, I mean, I wouldn't expect to see him until the Raw Rumble. I think that he has a good thing in WWE right now. I don't know why Brock would go somewhere else unless he's just completely had it. But, you know, he's still in good shape, still an amazing worker. I know that's contrary to much popular belief, but I still think he's a great in-ring worker. And, I mean, I just really believe here that there's always going to be a place for Brock Lesnar. And maybe if he needs, you know, five, six months away to, you know, get his head right because he has to, you know, get accustomed to Vince not being in charge anymore, then so be it. But I think that eventually, you know, somewhere between now and, you know, Royal Rumble slash, slash Mania season, We'll see Brock Lesnar again. And why shouldn't we? You know, like, he's an attraction. He's the one true, like, and I know they're all called superstars in WWE. And maybe that'll change now that uh, Vince is out. But he's the last true actual superstar that they have. He's the last true guy that always that kind of transcends the wrestling business. And like from a pure like wrestling standpoint, you could say a lot of guys are superstars like AJ Styles and Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. But Brock Lesnar is that last guy that is on TV semi-regularly that everyone knows even outside of wrestling. And I think that that is very valuable to the WWE. So they will surely make it worth his while to still stay on in a semi-regular capacity and even for himself, like, I mean, obviously he doesn't need WWE, WWE, but we know that. But I can't help but feel that he somehow feels flattered that he must know that he's that guy for the company right now. So I do think that we will see him sooner rather than later. Yeah,
0: it, it feels like just it feels like closing of a chapter. It should be the closing of a chapter. And it feels like if if Vince was here, it feels like it would be up. Yeah, yeah, we'll see Brock in January and then he'll go into whatever program. It, and that still may be the case. But I do wonder, like, who the hell would be next for Brock Lesnar? Like, I mean, Omas. I mean, who, who's next? Like, when you look it up and down the card, you look at both rosters. If both rosters are open, you look at it and you're like, well, who could it possibly be? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. And if you don't have an answer, then you don't have an answer. Because I honestly don't know. Who would they put Brock Lesnar against at WrestleMania? Do you have any clues?
1: It's tough, right? Because, like, you would assume that they would have to try and, or, like, I guess not have to, but I would assume that they're going to try and separate those world titles somehow. I just even find it looks dumb that he comes to the ring with both belts. I don't know about you, but do you just find the visual stupid as well?
0: I I am over the visual because they're overexposing it, but yeah, I miss when it was in what 2002 when Jericho Unite uh unified them and then it became the actual like single belt. They 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 like actually changed the physical belt. So yeah, I'm I'm done with the, the two belt thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like and if they were to, you know, introduce a a permanent WWE champion, let's just say, then maybe you could pit him against whoever that guy is. Like I guess the easy low-hanging fruit would be Drew McIntyre because he is the next in line to challenge for the Undisputed Championship. Maybe you go a rematch between those two. Like people forget about it because it was during the build-up or right before uh, ultimately COVID hit. But, you know, that was a pretty good program between Drew and Brock Lesnar. And because of how it culminated uh, in the, you know, in the, um, what is it? Um, what do they call it now? The Capital Wrestling Center? Yes, or yes. The, yep. it, because it culminated there, just as COVID hit in front of nobody, people don't really talk about Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. And, you know, every Brock Lesnar feud he's had over the last number of years since he came back, whether that had been... Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman or even Samoa Joe, you never really saw Brock go up against a guy in a one-and-done capacity. It was always like a series of matches, even The Undertaker. You know, they fought again at SummerSlam 2015, and it ended at, like, Hell in a Cell 2015. But Drew McIntyre was the only guy that Brock ever, like, lost clean to, and then you never heard from him again. And I feel like, you know, given all the stuff that happened between then and now, and by WrestleMania season, it will have been three years since that went down, which is absolutely crazy to me. I think that if you revisit Drew versus Brock Lesnar, and they kind of hinted at it a bit, was it on SmackDown yes. where Drew uh, get hit to Austin theory with the claymore? So I would say you, you know, Drew versus uh, um, Drew versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship in a rematch would be something I would explore.
0: That's definitely on the table given that they had the weirdest match. I mean, as everybody did, when it was super quiet and it was just the, 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 I remember very vividly the uh the the last man standing match with Edge and Orton that just really I think went it was like it felt like an hour and a half long uh and it was just you know it, nobody benefited from no nobody being in that arena at that time and a very strange time but I they could revisit it you know the the only thing is when you look at Brock Lesnar in his return you know since that time since the covid era and the, the thunderdome era and brock lesnar has returned and like brock lesnar has won like one match since he's yep. been back like he has done the job for everybody and All the time. The only match I can think of off the top of my head that he's won in the last like year and a half is the one, the Fatal Five Way when he was inserted just to take the championship off Big E so he could give it to Roman at WrestleMania. That's it. That's all I can think of. I I might be wrong, but like Brock Lesnar has not come back to win. He's come back to put people over, which is really just crazy. I'm sure Brock doesn't give a damn because he's getting paid millions to just you know lose a fake fight or whatever. But whatever. It's it's just bizarre when you look at it and you think of this. This is your biggest star your biggest guy and he's just doing job after job after job it's not hurting him it's not like it's not staining his legacy or anything but i don't it's just i don't think it's something that people are really talking about like brock just continues to lose and lose and lose and lose and you know i I understand why but do you you ever think about that like brock's losing a lot
1: (laughs) a hundred percent and like aside from the fatal five-way match the only match he's won was the elimination chamber yeah you're right so aside from like these multi-man gimmick matches he hasn't won But to be fair, he's only fought two guys since he returned, either Roman Reigns or the one-off with Bobby Lashley. And even against Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns has gotten involved in that as well. So unless it was like a Fatal 5-way or an Elimination Chamber multi-man match, it's always had to involve Roman Reigns in some capacity. And, you know, that goes back to the age old saying that you've been saying for what, four years now, everything leads to Roman Reigns, all roads lead to Roman Reigns. And the same could be true uh, for Brock since his return last summer in 2021. So I think that if you bring back Brock this time around, you would have to have oh, and the Royal Rumble, evidently. So, (laughs) I mean, unless it is unless it is a big multi-man match. Brock isn't winning it, apparently, over the last 12 months. That's true. Yeah,
0: I should probably clarify, it's singles matches he continues to lose. If he's in a multi-person match, look out. I mean, yeah, that's (laughs) true. That is very true. The the one thing I'll say uh, is that Brock Lesnar, if he's going to have another match at WrestleMania or beyond that... Get him out of the title picture because I think that's what a lot of that is what is creating us and, and and other fans who have been watching wrestling for a while to kind of see the predetermined outcome. Like, well, Brock's not going to win. He's not at that stage of his career. It should be about building the new stars. So, like, you you look at this and go, all right. Well, if Brock Lesnar's not in a title picture. Then things become, to me, much more interesting because it's a blood feud. It's something personal. You don't have to take and overshadow the championship over whatever's going on with Brock. So to me, it would be much more unpredictable and more fun if Brock Lesnar gets into a program with somebody that has nothing to do with the championship.
1: And it's fair, right? Because it's rare that Brock Lesnar will leave WrestleMania as a world champion. It happened twice at WrestleMania 33 against Goldberg and WrestleMania 34 against Roman Reigns. But all the other times that he's walked in as champion since his return in 2012, he always drops the belt, like in WrestleMania 31, WrestleMania 36 against Drew, this past year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 35 against Seth. Because we know that typically between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is a big period of time off for Brock Lesnar. So I would agree, and I guess at that point you would have to explore, let's say, an up-and-coming guy. Like, would a Gunther be on that Mm. level by that point? I think that would be a really cool avenue to explore. Would you make him go up against, like, another part-timer, kind of? Maybe, like, Edge? Have we ever seen Edge versus Brock Lesnar? But I think Edge is another cool segue here, because Mm -hmm. obviously he has the big return. But, like, I don't know about you, and I'm an Edge fan, but, like, I just didn't care about this return where do you kind of stand with it you know
0: because uh, uh, you and I text a little bit about it and I said I don't know what to make of it and I still I still don't but I'm also so here's the thing Monday Night Raw is happening right now maybe it'll make me care a little bit more about what happens on Raw and Edge's promos always bring you back in no matter what's going on he's such a good talker that he and the emotion that he's able to connect with the fans on and all of that he's so good that he, he might change my opinion but as it stands right now I'm leaning on the side of kind of meh like okay number one it was the worst kept secret that edge was coming back uh this uh, at SummerSlam. number two what what is he like why why what is this entry is he kind of a brood member but he also kind of has still dark ties to the judgment day like what is that we don't know what version of edge this is uh, you know, and and I also don't like Edge with really short hair. Like I love Edge with long hair. That doesn't help him. Uh, but for that's personal preference. But I just I don't know what Edge is, and and I I, I just am not excited about his return. Like a lot of people were. Because it was very predictable, which is fine. But I also wish if he returned, he would have just stayed with the Judgment Day. You think he's out there to help the Mysterios, and he's the one that you know gives them both, you know, uh, two concertos, and then stands tall with the Judgment Day and explains on Raw that you know uh, the Judgment Day they, they, they saw through me and I, they exposed to my weakness. And thank you. Like you, you could make this very easily another turn for Edge. I think they could have done that. I don't know why they brought him back as a babyface. You and I and everybody else, I think, that listens to this are, is just wondering why the hell they did the premature breakup anyway. It was just bizarre. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this Edge thing. I'm going, nah, okay, like I respect Edge, but I, I don't know what this version of Edge is, and I would have preferred him to stay heel. He did not get a long enough heel run.
1: Well, do we even know, like, I couldn't hear it over the crowd, but, like, what theme music did he use when he came back? It was kind of like
0: a hybrid of The Brood and something I've never heard. It it was like a little bit of Brood in there.
1: Yeah, and, like, I get it that they've been playing off The Brood for the last, like, 12 months when he came out against uh, Seth Rollins at last year's SummerSlam. So I get that. Like, I can appreciate that. And, like, look, Edge is very easily capable of making me care again but even like his gears like uh, okay so a red jacket you're wearing the sunglasses like i just i don't know and maybe it's just because they left a sour taste in my mouth because of the premature turn and like i just i don't care about the judgment day any like at, at all anymore and i will say that when rhea ripley is there it makes me care more so kudos to rhea ripley but when it was just you know damian priest and Finn Balor for a bit like I could not care less so like maybe that's just me going in with like a predetermined opinion on the matter but it's like everything about this was just so poorly executed and look that was when Vince McMahon was in charge so maybe Triple H had something up his sleeve to you know write the ship here but unless writing the ship is you know means turning edge heel I don't think anything's going to save this and based on what happened at SummerSlam it doesn't seem like he is going to be turning heel. So we're not even turning heel, staying heel. But I guess he turned babyface. It's it's all very confusing. And I know I've said this for the last 12 months or so, but any time or 24 months at this point, anytime you have uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio involved in something like it automatically torpedoes my interest. So maybe they're just kind of getting the shrapnel of this edge that is. But just everything about this storyline right now just doesn't have me interested whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and, and the fact that they they still are—they've had perfect opportunity after perfect opportunity to turn Dominic heel, and they haven't done it, and they haven't done it. I said, okay, they at least still have Summerslam, and nope, it come and goes, and Dominic is still being you know the pasty white, boring houseplant that just has no personality <laughs> at all. The guy is just so boring. Uh, and he's not doesn't look the part. I mean, I've said it many times. In the ring, he's fine, but that's about all he's got, and a and a and a good last name. That's about it. I'm sorry, that's true. Um, but you know, right now with Edge, I I, I just I I feel underwhelmed with him. Um, I'm not excited about him right now. And again, like he's, we you know, he he's a great talker. He could talk me back into caring, but. There's still so much to be explored with him as a heel, and I just don't know where the hell they're going to go with him, and, you know, with the Mysterios, I honestly, like you said, any, like, that's true, any program that they're in, it instantly makes me, like, have to consciously make an effort to care about what's going on. I have to force myself, like, resist the the instinct I have to just, like, completely tune them out, uh, both of them, and, and just because I, they're in, to me, they're almost insufferable as a tag team just, be, just because that's how I feel, but... But I I just – I don't know. With Edge, I'm a little bit disappointed about the return. I feel very flat about it. And honestly, what are they going to do with Edge? Like, okay, now he say he, he stays babyface, which you and I don't agree with, but he stays babyface. And he, what does he do? Like, is he team with the Mysterials to take on Rhea and those, you know, uh, Rhea and uh, the Judgment Day? But then there's the, a female there. How does that work? Or is it just one-on-one? Is it two-on-one? Like, wh- it, it feels like there's not a big enough star here for Edge to face. It's kind of bizarre.
1: Yeah, it's... I just really think here that, like, they've run themselves into a corner with edge and the only way to have liberated more uh, opponents for him was as a heel but now that he's back as a baby face like who's he gonna feud with okay you're gonna run through Damian Priest and Finn Balor like you said okay I guess he's gonna tag with Rey Mysterio for a bit but those two guys aren't you know on a main event level so after that who's he gonna feud with like Kevin Owens like at this point like I just I don't see like an interesting feud for Edge because he did kind of go through a lot of the heels on the on the roster before he eventually did turn heel right before this year's WrestleMania. And, you know, I just I don't know. It, it was a really botched opportunity, especially because how good the judgment day was. And it still doesn't make sense to me that like they're just using Edge's gimmick. Like, that was his gimmick, and then he formed the Judgment Day. It wasn't like they formed, you know, like, the Judgment Day all at once and grew with this gimmick. Like, they just stole Edge's gimmick, so it feels very, like, contrived and, like, fake in a lot of ways. I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm being so hard on Damian Priest and Finn Balor. It just—the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me.
0: It that's yeah it feels like—you're right, they're wearing the colors— ...of the Judgment Day with her purple and black... But like, there's no, there's nothing beneath the surface. It's hollow. It's just we wear the colors, but we don't really know what our mission statement is. We don't really get a whole lot of promo time. Uh, our, our spokesman that really talked this whole thing into existence and was the life of this group uh, is now gone. It's it's very very weird, and and they need all, they need to do a lot of damage control. I mean, they still, I guess, could make Edge the leader to have some kind of crazy turn again, which I, I would honestly go for. Like just freaking do it, but uh. All right. Two more things I want to talk about really quickly and then we'll wrap it up back onto the women's division here with Becky and with uh, Bianca Belair. Quickly, I I thought their match was good. I didn't think it lived up to the hype, maybe unfairly, of a bar that I set for it, but I thought it was good. Started out really slow, but they picked it up and you get a Bianca Belair victory and then Bayley returns with uh, Io Sky. And uh, who's the other one? I'm trying to think of the other uh, uh, girl's name. Um Sky and somebody. Somebody out there is yelling at me right now. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, it's. Um, I don't sure, know Dakota something. <laughs> yeah, is Dakota it? Kai. There you go. Dakota.
0: Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Dakota Kai and Eoskai. So they both return with Bailey, and she backs down. I think she looked really good. The crowd gave her a nice warm reception, but for her to be in a stable, I really enjoyed that. Uh, they did made it very clear from the beginning were heels. And that's it, and that's fine. I think, you know, I'm surprised they didn't at least give Bailey a little bit of a babyface run to see what happens. But Bianca goes face to face. Becky turns babyface in the process by standing side by side with Becky. So now we have a Becky Becky Lynch babyface turn and a Bailey return. I I really like this.
1: Did you? Yeah, I did too. But it was unfortunately announced that I think Becky separated her shoulder and she's going to be out for an extended period of time. But, you know, I I think that Becky as a heel, although I had been advocating for it before she walked away to be a mom, um, I thought that it was kind of being forced because the crowd just wants to cheer for her. It almost felt like when Austin was a heel in a lot of ways. And that's not me comparing Becky to Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I just felt like there was a lot of resistance. And look, I love Bailey. I think Bailey is right now my favorite female competitor. And, you know, I just think that Bailey has it. And it seemed like that was the last big opponent that Bianca Belair had yet to lock horns with. Maybe Charlotte Flair on a bigger scale. But you know, she had beat Sasha Banks, she had beat Becky Lynch, and then it just felt fitting here that Bailey was the next one. And she comes back with lackeys, and that always helps to solidify yourself as a heel. I, was, I wasn't I was completely <clears throat> sold on pushing forward with Bianca Beller as a babyface, but I don't think it's a bad call to continue with it. Maybe there's some more juice left to be squeezed, and certainly if you're bringing Bailey back to be that top-level heel, it certainly presents another option. So all in all, I think uh, this is going to uh, present a new opportunity and a new avenue for them to go down with the women's division, especially on Monday Night Raw, because I feel like, for the better part of, you know, six months, it's just kind of been B- Becky and uh, and Bianca.
0: Yeah, this brings new life into the women's division. I think it needed it pretty badly, especially on Raw. And I, I also th- think, well, first of all, I didn't know about that news. Maybe it was announced on Raw or social media about Becky's injury. Um, but... I, I still think, and maybe I was talking with you or someone else, like, I, I honestly don't know over the last week, I've done so many shows, that if uh, if, if Becky Lynch turns babyface and Ronda turns heel at SummerSlam, I think that that is a telltale sign that those two are on a collision course for WrestleMania that will finally get Ronda-Becky one-on-one, because it should be heel Ronda versus babyface Becky. We're finally going to get it, I think, after the WrestleMania, what was it, WrestleMania 35 that they uh, inserted Charlotte, I'm still bitter about, three years later. Uh, yeah. It's just it's so ridiculous that they inserted Charlotte into that. But uh, now I think that both of them are in their correct roles. I think both of them are in the roles that they should be in, that you could get this all the way to WrestleMania, maybe with a bit of a tease at Survivor Series or in December or January, and then you're full blast into uh, uh, to WrestleMania. But and I guess let's move into quickly the Ronda, Rousey, and the um, uh, Liv Morgan matchup for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I thought the match... Uh, just quickly was uh, yeah, just underwhelming. I, I wasn't a big fan of the matchup. It wasn't clunky or embarrassing. It was just like... It was eh, average to, a, I think, a little bit below average. And maybe because I haven't had a lot of time in the ring. Liv Morgan is... And and, and Ronda haven't had that chemistry together or whatever the case may be. But it was an eh, okay match. But it ended up with a very interesting ending. One I've never seen that way done before. Creative uh, way, anyway. With the pin being uh, applied to Ronda with her shoulders on the mat but at the same time we have Liv tapping liv tap before the 3 count so liv should have lost and then ronda ali effingluea turns heel and attacks liv morgan attacks the referee Thank God this is done, and the, the, I, I'm I'm so happy that she's finally a heel. I think Ronda as a heel is going to be immensely entertaining. She can crap on the fans, just say literally whatever she's been thinking bottled up for three years, and just ha- let us have it, and I've been really waiting for that. And I think the fans are going to embrace it, and now you have Ronda in the proper role. So what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I, I just felt their chemistry from an in perspective was very weird. I did like the fact that, like, you know, Liv was visibly kind of afraid of Ronda because it does present kind of like a realistic uh, aspect of it. But look, all in all, yeah, I thought we all knew that Liv was going to retain in a, some hook or crook way, maybe not intentionally, but like some clunky finish to um at least protect Ronda Rousey and her being a heel. Like, come on, we've been looking for this since the build up to WrestleMania 35. Like, this is something that should have happened upon her return to the company at the Royal Rumble this past year. She's built to be a heel. She could have a very Brock Lesnar esque type of vibe about her, especially with the UFC background. And look, I think a lot of people were fed up with her as a babyface, but. I think that now that she's turning heel, people will have a lot more time for Ronda Rousey. So I think this is going to go really well for WWE.
0: Definitely. I mean, I, I am now a Ronda Rousey fan from the character perspective. Let's let's see what she presents on Friday. And you know, I think that she the muzzle will be off. She doesn't have to necessarily think about what she's going to say because she can just say it. Because I naturally think that she is a heel uh, as as an actual person. I think that she has a lot of arrogance and she doesn't have to hide that. She doesn't have to worry about smiling all that crap. She can just just let us have it. And I want to hear what she has to say about it. And yeah, it's long overdue. And the chemistry between them, yeah, it wasn't great. But now she has opened up a completely new set of women to work with. Whether or not they have the draft, I don't know. The draft is effectively dead, and it's been dead as you and I have said many times for months and months. It's been dead, quietly died. Uh, and so, uh, to me, this is this is be a lot of fun. Like I'm now interested. Instead of seeing Rhonda coming down smiling, you know, like just ear to ear like a child every week, I now get to see her come out and maybe scowl at us and crap on us and tell us that she she didn't have to come here. She did it because you wanted us. You wanted me here, right? Like she. she, There's so much that she could say. It's just endless, and so that's going to be a lot of fun for me. And Liv Morgan. The only thing I'll say about it. She did play the uh, kind of tentatively, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical of my ability here, which is fine, and it is realistic, but also when you look at Liv Morgan, the credibility of Liv Morgan isn't really there as a champion. Like, okay, she has the tenure, she's been there for, what, seven years, and she finally wins, and that's fine, so she has a little respect, but the credibility in which she won was when Ronda was at her weakest, winning the money in the bank, and then she wins or retains by just Lady Luck i mean so she hasn't yet successfully defended or won the smackdown women's championship in a any women's championship in a credible way now she's only been champion a month there's time to to repair that but as it stands right now she's just kind of uh she's a a champion because of just simply the circumstances not because of her credibility in ring
1: yeah i think she got You know, the push that she did just because or you can't even really call it a push, just I guess the victory that she got because there was a lot of that sentimental backing behind her. Like people just started organically liking Liv Morgan, which is fine. But I just think she's kind of an example of someone who would greatly benefit from like a mid card championship for the women's division. And look, I am not advocating for that because they just don't have enough women simply so the only way that they could go about that is like if they abolished one of the world titles and like gave them like a mid-card championship but i just think that she is one of the examples of like maybe someone who would have benefited from a more let's say like linear push as opposed to like up and down up and down and then all of a sudden she's at the top of the food chain you know defeating ronda rousey who arguably has the most credibility because of her martial arts background so i do agree with you and it is a work in progress Especially when you compare directly up against Bianca Belair, like it really is apples to oranges at this point. But I guess I would give it a bit more time because I do like Liv Morgan. I do think the crowd likes Liv Morgan. But at this point, it has kind of been an uphill battle. Yeah,
0: I mean, she's a... She's just a sympathetic uh, figure where you, she's been here a long time and everyone's like looking around like, oh, man, she, she hasn't got an opportunity. That would be pretty cool if she did. And, and instead of you know actually organically building her as somebody that continues to win and she's on a hot streak and look out, Liv is on fire, it's kind of like, well, the lovable loser should get an opportunity. And I think you can only go so far on that before she finally, you know, fans start to go, huh, yeah, she doesn't have a whole lot of credibility. So she's not in danger right now. And I she is likable, but I'd like her to get some credible victories, some incredible defenses over the next couple of months but uh last question very quickly i don't want to dive into it just logan paul what'd you think
1: i mean you may hate him as a person but the guy's amazing in the ring (laughs) he's a natural i saw this thrown a few uh, times over the last couple days he's already 10 times better than a guy like dominic mysterio he looks the part he can play the part He may be a douche in real life, but hey, the guy's got it, and I have nothing bad to say about him. Yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, like, but you also like, and and I think he truly is a d-bag in real life. I really do. Like, I truly believe that's kind of who he is, and he's shown that over the last several years when he's you know not supposed to be, uh, or when he is supposed to be this like lovable guy, he's not. Uh, But. When you think about it, like who – we don't know. There are probably a lot of D-bags that come across likable on TV that when the cameras are off, they are just the worst person in the world. Like you don't know, you know, so as long as on TV he can perform – and he takes it seriously and respects the business. To me, those are the things I was looking for. That he wasn't just kind of like haphazardly half-assing it. And he wasn't. Like he clearly put in the work. He did an amazing job. Overperformed. I give the guy credit. He's a d-bag in real life, but does that really matter when it comes to being on screen and and making sure that you're putting on a, a respectable performance and that you are that you're taking this seriously and that you have compelling storylines no i mean he he needs some work in promos he needs a little work in selling but the, the, I, he's he's like you know he looks like somebody that's been there five years you know like he doesn't look like somebody that that was his first one-on-one match in wwe it's a, it's no credit to him so um all right well uh, i'll wrap it up here uh, but uh, of course yeah i know you, you just dropped your wwe retro SummerSlam 2000 right this past week
1: yeah, it was an interesting pay-per-view to cover. I watched it a lot uh, in my life just because I had the DVD back in the day. And now, obviously, I've gone back and watched it several times on the network. But I think it was just an example of a card that, maybe like this one, that on the surface it didn't look too, too good in terms of like the name value, no Stone Cold Steve Austin and whatnot, but really kind of over-delivered, especially with a really good triple threat match between The Rock, Triple H, and Kurt Angle.
0: Very good. Yeah, I got to listen. I got through half of it. So I got to finish the other half. But guys, go check it out. Retro every single Friday drops uh on our on our feed, so check it out and as we get closer now, we are in Clash at the Castle season. That takes place in five weeks in Cardiff, Wales, and on September 3rd. That feels like an eternity away, but it will it will blink and it will be here, uh, which also means, guys, football, for those of you in the United States that care, uh, if football is uh, literally around the corner, too. So, wow, summer's over <laughs> in four weeks here. So that is, uh, that's it for us tonight, guys. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks, buddy. We will be talking next week.
1: Yeah, man, looking forward to it. Take care.